Welcome to DocuTalks, a podcast about documentaries mostly from Netflix. Chelsea and Michelle may be from two different generations, but they both share a passion for talks of true crime, murder, and documentaries with flair. Join these chatty bitches while they dish the latest hot documentary on DocuTalks. Welcome to DocuTalk. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chelsea. So just a warning, this is adult content and sometimes we use explicit language. Um, So Chelsea, what have you been up to this week? I just finished reading the Jessica Simpson memoir, Open Book, and I'm not going to lie, like I'm such a sucker for a celebrity memoir. And I think Jessica Simpson seems like a sweet, relatable woman. I really love that she had her own fashion line and I I loved her clothes. So when I heard that she was coming out with a memoir, I knew I needed to read it. So especially since she had a gospel background too. So her transition was really interesting to me, but I found it just so enjoyable. She was really open about her struggles, pill use and alcohol addiction for years and just talks about the reality of, of being a celebrity and like how she basically had to be on speed to even be the weight she needed to be. I just thought it was great that she was so candid and open. Uh, If you like her, I would say check it out. It was a really good read. What about you, Michelle? I watched The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix this week. It was one of those shows, and we've talked about this before, that it's just constantly advertised and in your face. I'm like, all right, fine, Netflix. I will watch it. It's not one I would normally watch. I'm not a big horror fan. It wasn't too, too bad in terms of that genre. So it was it was pretty good, and it had a good ending. And I really like a series with a good ending. I don't like things left hanging or, or what what's that? Like, I don't even get the ending, right? So I thought it was pretty good. So that's mostly what I did this week. Uh, Nothing it, too exciting. <laughs> was it, like, really scary, or do you think it was, like, low-key scary? Low-key scary. If it was really scary, I wouldn't be able to watch it. I'm too afraid to watch it, but I keep seeing it and I'm just like, maybe I can do it. And then I'm just like, I don't know, Ratchet scared me. So like there was times <laughs> in Ratchet that I was just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh my God. You know, so yeah. I, oh, you're so brave, Michelle. <laughs> it has, it has those know. moments too. Like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen? And that okay. kind of jumping out at you moments, right? Okay. Maybe I can so handle it. <laughs> you might be able to. <laughs> So this week we are covering the social dilemma. Chelsea was super anxious to cover this one. So I'm going to warn listeners now. I'm really hoping when it comes to editing that we can keep it under an hour. But I am a little concerned. So we'll just see what happens. So I'll let you start first, Chelsea. What did you think of the documentary? Well, first of all, my my. My writing's all in capital letters, guys. Just going to say this. <laughs> but it's like, I just love, love, loved this documentary. I watched it right before I was going back to work. And I just became obsessed with it. I told every single one of my coworkers at school about it. I told all of my friends that were teaching in intermediate that they need to show it to their students. Like, everybody needs to watch this if they have children. I think it was just such an important and timely documentary, and it's done in a really good way. Uh, I liked all the things that Michelle didn't like about the documentary. Just going to give you guys a heads up. Like, I loved that they had that family, the clips of the family, and it was almost like a little mini show within the documentary. 
I loved that. I thought that was really accessible for students to watch. I I'm like I want to host a PD at my school, like a professional development day where we all have to watch the social dilemma and like learn how we can teach our students about how to be safe on the internet. So that's me. <laughs> I knew you were going to like the things that I didn't like. <laughs> I really did not like that whole media family part of the documentary. I was watching it. I'm like, Chelsea's going to tell me she loves this part of the documentary. I found it very distracting. I got the point that they were highlighting the things that they said in a sort of more real life setting. So I got the reason why they demonstrated that as part of the documentary. But I mean, I couldn't get over the fact that the mom was like, I'm going to take your phone for a week. And if you don't use it, I'll I'll get you a new screen. But all she does is leave it on the kitchen counter. Like some teenager isn't going to sneak down in the middle of the night and use their phone. Like, come on, that was just unrealistic. But I also didn't like, like they had so many different people interviewed. I just felt like it was a bit too many people. But I'm saying that I still felt like it was a good documentary, very mm -hmm. timely. Social media is definitely part of our everyday lives now. I mean, I knew very few people who aren't on social media. So it is important to understand what's behind all of this. The public does definitely think this is just a great free service and they're not really understanding that they are the product that companies are paying for. So I think it was important for everybody to watch this and really understand how we are being used and manipulated. Oh, I know. Like right. how many of our listeners even know what data mining is and know that yeah. Everything they're putting out there is being used, whether or not it's like, I like the color pink, you know, like every piece of information you put out about yourself is data that people are mining and using and and putting towards something and making tons of money off of. Um, yeah. I found that family, though, really realistic. I was just like, oh, yeah, I've got I've got parents like that at my school that would do exactly that and then be like, I don't know why my my child doesn't behave properly or doesn't follow the rules. And it's like. Well, look at the rules you're putting in place here. Come on. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with um, social media as a way of developing social connection. So this is kind of what social media platforms put themselves out as. This is a way you can connect with your friends and stay in touch. And I would argue that it is used this way for sure. That's definitely how I've used it. Imagine you do too. I mean, having lived abroad and in many different countries and places, it's a great way to keep in touch with people because there's a lot of people I keep in touch with on social media and I get to see what's going on with their lives when they have kids or move or new jobs that I really would never know because I'm not really going to make the effort to keep in touch with them by even email. So yeah. it, it's great that you can use it for that reason. But it, this also can make a false sense of connection um, because it's not really connecting and communicating. Social media is only the information that people put out there for you to read, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can present yourself however you want, make yourself look as good as you want. It's not necessarily authentic, real connection. Yeah, I agree. No, everything you said, like I, I have such a love hate relationship with social media, like especially Facebook, I don't use Facebook for anything other than a communicative tool to keep in touch with people back home. And I do find, you know, as a teacher that 
the social connections are being lost at such a like at a younger age you know they they aren't having those connections and like they don't necessarily know how to connect in person like their oral language skills are lower that's a huge issue that we've been seeing in the last five years is like children are coming to school with undeveloped oral language skills because no one's talking to them at home because their parents are on social media at home or uh, they're all doing they're all interacting with other people but not the people in their house you know and that's a big a thing we talk about all the time like you go to a place and you see all these people on their phones and it's like they're all hanging out but they're interacting through their phones with each other with other people and not the people who are right there face to face so yeah I find that their children's lives are so intertwined with the technology and social media now and it starts at such a young age just with like children being given a phone as a calm down tool or as a distraction tool so that parents can get what they need to get done. Which, you know what, guys, I understand that. Like, it's really hard to have kids and and do everything you need to do. And like, if you have something that's gonna magically distract your child so that you can get shit done, I get it. I would do the same thing. But children are learning to become dependent on social media and social media platforms like YouTube and things like that at such a young age. And then that just transitions, like their whole life becomes about a, a cell phone or a device or like what they can do on it. And yeah, you you don't see them having those conversations with each other. And if they are talking, their whole conversation is about what's going on on social media. They have unbridled access to content. So it's like, oh, have you seen this video or have you seen that? And how many times since I've started teaching, if I had to have a discussion with my class about like a video where someone's committing suicide on TikTok or a video where there are people who are trying to, like the Slender Man issues, like uh, things like that, like all those really bad social media issues that children are being exposed to, and then they have no idea what they're being exposed to. We, have, as educators, and, and I'm sure their parents too, in some cases, have to then like damage control and try and help them understand what they're being exposed to. But yeah, I'm really happy my school has a really strong no cell phone policy. So I do hear about it all the time. Like I've got some kids that are just obsessed with TikTok and like Snapchat and stuff like that. So that's all they talk about, all they're doing. But then I do have other students where their families are very anti-devices. So like you can tell there's a huge difference. Those kids have better oral language skills. They know how to talk to a person. They know how to have a proper conversation, maintain eye contact, things like that. Whereas those other kids... um, don't really know how to talk about any kind of subject or or maintain proper communication etiquette. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah, and you know the sad part is they talk in the documentary about like there is a whole job, <coughs> what can you say, field around how to make social media more addictive yes. and all this stuff more addictive. So these kids really don't have a shot at oh, gosh, not no. becoming addictive. Like there's no chance for them unless there's huge parental controls that limit the amount of screen time they have they're they they're they have no defense there and it's interesting because I think anybody under probably the age of 25 tends to spend their lives on social media and that's really just how they interact with friends and I find it really fascinating because that was not my life growing up we didn't have social media when I was growing up I was a little bit older when it came out and I remember I had a party a couple of years back and my friends came and 
and they were like, oh, do you mind if our daughter comes with us? Like she has to do everything with us, which I mean, that's a whole issue in itself. And and I'm like, well, yeah, that's fine. I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to censor my language (laughs) and behave because they're like, I don't know, 15 year old daughters coming. And I'm thinking when I was 15, there is no way I would have gone to a party with my parents. Never. I would I, I wouldn't even want to go. Right. I would want to be able to stay home and, and hang out with my friends or even just talk on the phone with my friends that was attached to the wall that, you know, everybody could hear my conversation if there was other people in the house. So even just being able to be home and talk to the phone on the phone in privacy was a, a blessing. Right. But she came and basically she sat in the corner and texted her friends the whole night. And I, I'll never forget it because I was thinking, really, you needed to come because you didn't want to be a home alone for whatever reason. But then you just sit in the corner and text your friends all night. Like, I just thought it was the most bizarre thing. And but I think that's how they communicate nowadays. That's their method of communication, which I think is really sad because I think it's not really connecting with people. It's not having meaningful, meaningful conversations where you're sharing intimate details of your lives and and just shared experience and just hanging out, laughing and having fun. It's not the same thing. I'm kind of like I grew up in that weird middle where like Facebook was coming up while I was in high school, but I was never into social media and I wasn't allowed to have a phone until I was in university. So it wasn't really until university that I got into social media. So I'm kind of with Michelle on that. Like I was older, but even still, I'm hardcore addicted now. However, well, I remember, okay, Chelsea, now I'm going to remind you because I remember probably when you were in university and you would meet a guy and you would tell tell me that you would add him to Facebook, but you wouldn't add him to MSN Messenger because you felt that was more intimate than Facebook. And I remember arguing with you. Are you kidding? Like Facebook, they can know all kinds of stuff about you. MSN Messenger, they just have your name and then they can give you a conversation. But you were like, no, I add them to Facebook. I don't add them to Messenger. That's so funny. Okay, so I was at a barbecue last night. I just want to um, do a counter to Michelle's lovely story about that teenage girl. So <laughs> we were at a barbecue last night, and it was with my partner's workmates. And the people who were hosting it, they had two children who are um, primary school age. I think the eldest was maybe year seven, eight, and the, the youngest was like year five, six. So grade five, six. And those two children were there all night. And so, first of all, I was in the same boat you were in. I was like, well, shit, I got to watch what I'm saying. I can't get too drunk. Like, <laughs> you know, this yep. is a thing. And also, I'm a teacher. So I'm like, I, I can't let loose now. There are children here. <laughs> so, well, especially if you want to tell embarrassing stories about their parents right when you get together with friends you often reminisce about past and past stories and funny stories embarrassing situations well I'm not going to do that in front of my parents kids or I bitch about my students you know like what you can't do in front of the kids no anyway sometimes New Zealand just like throws me because like these kids were incredible they were artistic they were active like they were outside physically playing 
the whole entire time we were there. They were playing the guitar for a while. One of them was reading for a while. The other one went and played the piano for a while while the other one was playing with the lambs in the in front of the house and like, you know, and then they were coming and talking to us and having informed discussions and like real conversations. I didn't see a single cell phone. Not not once did they even talk about social media or something they saw on TikTok, which is unusual for a child that age in my classroom sometimes. And I just was blown away by that. And I'm like, this is what happens when you don't let your child become sucked into social media and you limit their screen time and you give them other outlets like they knew about music they knew about what was going on in the world they were talking about the election for god's sake like it was incredible so for me I was just like I went home thinking holy crap those were like the the, the, those kids were amazing and like their parents did it right you know just and they also knew when not to bug the adults and like go and entertain themselves I love those kind of kids. I have a friend and I used to go to her house a lot and she had at that that time, her kids are older now, but she had uh, two teenage boys and, you know, you'd come over and they'd come in and they'd say hello and they would chat with you a bit and then they'd go off and do their own thing and maybe they'd come out a bit later and, you know, how you do and especially if you had snacks out, take some snacks and talk and then go off again. I'm like, these are appropriate children. Yeah. They're not sitting here the whole, whole time with us, but they're being social. They're being polite. They're being mm-hmm. appropriate. I like those kind of kids. So, guys, you can still do it. You can still have awesome kids that aren't addicted to social media, I promise. Yes. <coughs> okay. So, um, the impact on children, honestly, with social media and just technology in general. I did f- like that this documentary was it had a strong social media focus, but it did talk a lot about just technology in general and and the use of technology. Children are just becoming so invested in social media and the hypes that are going on, like the crazes, like, oh my goodness, you know, their whole lives are becoming about TikTok and Snapchat and like what's going on and, and knowing the dances and knowing all the celebrities, like the TikTok famous celebrities and Instagram famous celebrities, So it's like, I feel there are definitely children that when they're not on their phones, they're either practicing those dances or like replicating the crazes that they saw on social media. And younger kids are so attached to their devices. We're seeing children coming into our school as kindergarten age children, so like five years old, and they know how to use a computer better than they know how to use, sorry, they know how to use an iPad because we don't use computers, but better than they can hold a pencil like they can't even write their name but they can find YouTube and find exactly what content they want and play all the games and and they can get around the parental controls we have on our devices Mm -hmm. so it's just I and I see it these kids become zombies so in my classroom like it's difficult because we're in a digital age and New Zealand really stresses one-to-one devices with serious device integration within learning and so I'm struggling Mm. with having that balance where I'm having just enough screen time to make sure that I'm I'm meeting the needs of my device integration but also still using like old school learning because I feel like these kids if they're on devices all day 
in school with me and then they're going home in their own devices unbridled access to god knows what you know in some cases then they're spending their whole entire day on a device and that's just we already know from other documentaries that we've watched that like that kind of device exposure can really heighten learning disabilities adhd add just and also it limits their social capacities things like that so I'm really trying to limit that and it's like and also teaching that critical thinking as when I am using devices it's about how to critically use a device how to monitor what you're seeing as opposed to just like using it as a teaching tool so yeah it's it's really hard I just think they are so attached to their devices and they have so much prolonged exposure to like YouTube that they do fall prey to those subliminal ads and media messages that are out there. All of my kids know the the ads by heart and they often will like go sing along with the jingles or like finish the sentences for the ads when they see them if I don't skip it fast enough. And they were talking about in the documentary that there's been an exponential rise in suicide, which I think is one of the most important things like that graph that they were showing on the documentary just Mm. hit me to my core the exponential rise in suicides amongst teens and preteens after 2009 when social media came onto our phones and they just saw that huge uptick especially among girls how you were talking about like everyone's perceiving themselves in their most superficial way it's like it's the best vision of yourself on social media so these young girls think are thinking they have to compete with that and if anyone's fallen into an instagram rabbit hole how many of you have seen been bombarded with all those before and after weight loss images or just those airbrushed within an inch of their life images of women that are so unrealistic and if that's what girls are being exposed to, then it's not even shocking that the suicide and eating disorder rates have just skyrocketed with the introduction and and ease of accessibility with social media, not to mention the introduction of fake news. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think with the superficial issue, you know, there's so many filters out there and even these celebrities are putting filters and photoshopping or whatever making themselves look thinner or bigger butts or bigger lips or whatever they need to do that's determined by whoever that this is the style of beauty right now and people don't always realize that that's what's happening and think that's what they have to strive to get and then you know you have the other issue where people feel no problem with criticizing people online Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we're all these believe. sort of, you know, keyboard keyboard warriors that feel no problem. I can tell people exactly what I think. And, you know, like your media family in the documentary where the young girls told her ears are too big. They're not. But you now she's all concerned and worried about that. Like she probably doesn't even know the person who said that. Right. Exactly. But now she's got a complex about it. And that's something you would probably never, ever say to somebody face to face. But people feel no problem saying it online. It's almost like, well, you put yourself out there. You put yourself out there for criticism. So you better take it if you're going to post a picture of yourself. Right. And I think we don't have enough focus right now on cyberbullying. We have a lot of focus on just regular bullying in the classroom and, you know, be nice to your friends and things like that. But we don't look at that issue of um, cyberbullying. And there's 
so much of it. It's it's really yeah. bad. And it's really just taking over everybody's um, self-worth and identity, like they talked about in the documentary. We care more about these followers and what they think of us than really people that are our good friends, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not that it wouldn't hurt if I was in high school and somebody said something me to me walking down the hall, but I wouldn't probably internalize that as much because they're not my friend and they don't know me. And as much as, you know, everybody's always concerned about looks. I think when I was growing up, there was, it wasn't 100% of the issue. It also was about like, are you a good person and are able to create good friendships because you have a good personality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Like I know. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to address cyberbullying and Mm -hmm. also educating the students about cyberbullying. So hopefully, you know, it'll trickle down. It's it is really difficult. And just being exposed to all of that negative, like people just throw negative stuff out into the world so much more often than they would. Not even about bullying, but just bitching about everything. Yes. You know, everything, everyone can have an opinion and no one really wants to share anything positive anymore. I don't know if any of our listeners felt that way, especially during lockdown, that like social media was just inundated with negativity and like everyone bitching about every little thing that was put in place to protect them. You know, just like everyone has an opinion and no one's an expert. So I find I often will have to take a break because I can't take all the negativity out there. Mm-hmm. Just everyone, everyone feeling free to complain, but no one sharing anything good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Michelle, social media is our drug. It's our drug of choice <laughs> it these is. days. It sure is. Oh, it is such a drug. It's like right up there with cheese in my mind. Like <laughs> my two drugs of choice, cheese <laughs> and Instagram. <laughs> but oh my god it's it is it's 100% designed to suck us in and keep us looking it's the first thing we reach for in the morning and the last thing we say goodnight to before we go to sleep mm-hmm. and for some of you out there it's the thing you you talk to in the middle of the night when you wake up <laughs> you know like god forbid you hear a ping in your dreams <laughs> you wake <laughs> up and you have to check your phone <laughs> Oh, how many of you have spent countless hours just scroll, scrolling and barely even registering that you've what you've seen or how long you've been down that rabbit hole? Like, I'll go on Facebook and then go off my phone and go to do something, but like go back on Facebook, you know, like and not mm-hmm. even think about it. And I'm like, I was just on Facebook. I just saw all this stuff. What am I doing? Yeah. I have become a junkie, especially with the pandemic raging. And I found that my time was just being eaten up between bouncing between my two favorite apps instead of engaging with real people and real things in my life. Like it took so much time away from things that I love, like reading and being outside and just interacting with my partner. Like we've had to set um, some serious rules about having our phone and like setting time aside for us where neither one of us is using our phone because yeah, like we literally just laid in bed this morning, both of us on our phones, Mm. like in our own separate worlds, not even interacting. And I'm just like, this is no, this can't happen. Like we, we need to tackle these issues before they become like big issues where like, we're not communicating because we 
are in our own little world, you know, like, think about that. Think about how those things are impacting you. And the content is just designed to be the best clickbait ever. It's like they know mm-hmm. exactly what you want to see before you know you want to see it. And how many times have you been in, online and like you've been thinking about something and then it pops up like yeah. it's suggested for you. And you're just like, Facebook, get out of my brain, like Instagram back off there. That's too real. Why am I seeing an ad for the thing I was just thinking about yesterday and never once said out loud like so are those your two, Facebook and Instagram? Is that what I would you would have say to you're say the most addicted to? Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest because of education. Mm. Um, but also, I love Goodreads, guys. Goodreads is my secret, secret app that I love so much because I love reading. So I love tracking what I'm reading. And I set my goals. And then I, I like always update when I'm reading something. And then when I complete it and I give it a review and I like to see like what Michelle's reading so I often look at mm-hmm. Michelle's good read and like what my friends are reading and what are the new books that are coming out so yeah those are my top four <laughs> <laughs> he got four it's not even two but it's like it's two <laughs> that I use the most but then those are my secondary okay my secondary. <laughs> I just guys good reads is amazing everyone should have it <laughs> yeah good reads is fun it's it's, it's it's more of an innocent one than the other ones, right? Yeah. 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 That it's, it's nice. Yeah. And I do like you set the goals and you see what everybody else is reading. And then I like the summary at the end of the year. You know, this mm-hmm. is what you read this year, right? How many pages? I love that. Yeah. How many pages I read. And also uh, I follow, like I listen to a lot of podcasts and they source all of their material. And like if they had to read books, they keep it. They have a, a Goodreads list of all the books that they've talked about in their podcast and I was actually wondering listeners because we often talk about what books we're reading if that would be something you'd like us to do is make a goodreads list with our books (laughs) oh we should that's a good idea (laughs) yeah so (laughs) I'm I'm such a nerd (laughs) (laughs) well I mean I think it's interesting when you said that you know, Facebook almost knows what you're thinking. And it's crazy because, you know, I've heard about that before. I always heard that if you have the microphone turned on on your cell phone, that Facebook is listening to you, whether you are on your cell phone or not. So I had the microphone turned off on my cell phone when I read that, although it was already turned off anyway. Okay. But I was having like lunch with a friend one day and my cell phone was on the table, of course. And I can't remember, but let's just say she said to me, oh, I'd love to go to Russia. I think Russia would be like a great trip. And I was like, oh, really? I have no interest in going there. Well, that day I get on Facebook and it's about trips to Russia. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, really? And even recently I I was... um talking to my friend on the phone and I was like oh I've got to go out and get some new mattresses today I was getting a new bed and so I went out I bought my mattresses later that day I'm on Facebook and it's like mattresses for sale and Mm -hmm. I'm like they are freaking listening to everything I do and I don't even know how to turn that off yeah right oh it's terrifying because you you think your microphone's off but is it really can you ever turn your microphone off oh I don't know it's and I think because we we do use Facebook Messenger to communicate. So because it's got you allow your messenger to have access to your microphone to have conversations that 
that one app has access, you know, or like, oh, it's just mm-hmm. Big Brother is listening, guys. It, I don't know. And I'm the worst for this clickbait because I'll be looking for something online, you know, like I'm looking for a stamp, like a classroom stamp, or I'm looking for a shirt or like a dress or something, anything. It could be anything. I love things, guys. And so I'll be looking and I'll be doing some research, looking at my favorite retailers. And then on Facebook, all of a sudden, or Instagram, I'll start getting ads from different retailers, but with similar products. Yeah. I kid you not, I click every time. Like, I am the fucking worst, Michelle. I'm just like, fuck yes, of course I want to click on that ad. Like, (laughs) it's what I wanted. And then it'll show me another ad and I'm like, bitches, this is fabulous. Like, yes. (laughs) So I am, I am the perfect, the perfect person for Facebook and Instagram to market. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I try so hard. And I try so hard not to click the suggested videos on YouTube, but they're always what I want. I I know, I know what you mean. I, I think I'm not bad with the clickbait so much on um, Facebook and Instagram. But I mean, I haven't noticed as much recently. But I know when the ads sort of first came out, I found that I would see more ads for kind of more local businesses, Mm -hmm. like local restaurants or local, you know, um, I don't know, craft stores or unique little stores. And I actually quite liked that because then I was able to support more local business that way and learn about more local business. But I don't find that as much now. So I don't like that. At first, I, I didn't mind that. I do like the suggested events like there's a craft market going on or, you know, there's a documentary festival or things like that. So I don't mind that too much, but it's crazy that like all our data and we're the product, like they said, we're the product. We're the ones being sold. Uh, For me, I'm not so much addicted to the social media. I used to be on Facebook a lot more, but I've really gotten off of it. And I think because I feel like they definitely control my feed so much more now than they did years ago. And so I get irritated with that because I'm not seeing what I really want to see. So I find, though, for me, I have to admit the games are the worst for me. So I love my words with friends and I love my Wizard of Oz magic match. So I (laughs) spend a lot of time on those. So. I have to say my partner's the same way. Like he's got every freaking game you could have on your phone. And every time I see him, he's playing a game. I'm like, what are you doing playing a game? What game? I don't know. I look at it. It's like this weird ass game. I had a friend at work ask me the other day. She's like, do you play this game? And I don't know. It's probably like, like, it's like a Nintendo game. It's like, you know, a real video game. And I'm like, oh no, I can't. I said, you know. I play my couple of apps on my phone, but I can't go out of that or I would never leave the house and I'd be up all night playing games. I can get so addicted to video games. So I I don't allow myself to go there because I'll be up all night playing. I didn't know that about you, Michelle. I feel like I'm learning so much. I was one of those (laughs) people that like I got super addicted to Bejeweled. So I had like, I don't have games on my phone. I have one game and it's Pokemon Go. Yeah, I'm that. I'm that person, guys. It, it, I, I wasn't going to admit it, but when Michelle admitted her addiction, so that's my also, it's my number three. 
Um, my, I'm always <laughs> on Pokemon Go. But like, I think she said five. Play. I, I, play know. Now. I know. Listen, Chelsea, you have said five different things. Like, you can't say it's number that three. Denial. I need to go to my, like, I need to go to rehab. Um, no. <laughs> but I do love my Pokemon Go. I've been playing for like, since 2017. Um, but I don't play all the time. Like I could go weeks without playing, especially if work gets busy. I'll just like jump on every once in a while. Um, but it's something my partner and I do together. Yes. So I'll Listen, admit it. Okay. I'm dying to know listeners what your addiction is with either games or social media or even just like email. I'm, I'm the worst for email. I hate email. I, I feel like I have to live by it all day at work. I don't even want to look at it when I'm at home. I'm the worst for it, but I'm curious what listeners are addicted to. Yeah. And I get emails all the time. And usually it's like parents or teachers telling me I, I'm missing something. I'm just like, Ugh. when that guy said he was addicted to emails, I was like, I don't relate. No, me I neither. I, was like, I don't relate. I do love my Google calendar though. <laughs> okay. So a big thing that we heard about in this documentary was the selling of fake news. Michelle, oh. tell us about it a little bit. Yeah, I could not believe this. But again, I think this was one of these points where I kind of knew this, but didn't really connect the dots, right? So I'm surprised, like social media is selling news as though it's real news and people are getting sucked into it, especially if, don't want to sound mean, but if you're not able to do any kind of critical thinking or think about the source of this information or where does this come from, and I mean, that can be a bit guilty of it sometimes too, but you can get sucked into this, right? And we talked about this just the very last podcast with Athlete A about having good investigative journalism. And so it looks like that, but it's not that. And so people think, oh, this is a real news story, but it's not. It's just clickbait and fake news and some yeah. conspiracy theorist who or some mentally ill person in their basement, you know, deciding that 4G is causing coronavirus. Oh, 5G, right? Michelle, 5G. Oh, was it 5G? I don't even 5G. know. Like, it's so stupid to me. I don't even know. Oh, yeah. Right? Our 5G towers are getting destroyed in New Zealand uh, a oh. lot. Just saying. But no, you're, you're 100% correct. And it's not that we want to be classist or elitist in saying that. But a lot of times if you have poor literacy levels and you don't have critical thinking skills, it's very difficult. And that is why I was talking earlier that I try so hard to teach my students critical thinking. And it doesn't even have to be involving a device. It could just be one of my students says some bullshit and I'm like, let's think about that class. Let's use our critical thinking skills. Do you think that could really happen on the playground? Do you think that would really happen at school? Let's think. Let's unpack this, shall we? And then, so it's as simple as that. And if you guys are not, you, if you can easily put those blinders on. Like how many of you guys, and I know I'm guilty of this, love reading your like, you know, in touch weekly and people articles and like hearing about the Kardashians and all this crazy shit that's going on in the world of celebrities. And like, we're not using our critical thinking skills. 
Like we're like, oh fuck yes, they're having an affair or this is going on. Like because it's it's exciting and it's yeah, you know, it's it's sensational and it's easy to just digest. You know, we don't want to question. No one wants to question, but question. And I think like they said in the documentary, they're giving you something that's kind of in of what mm-hmm. you would believe, but just a little bit off skewed to kind of suck you in, right? Oh, 100%. And, you know, Another example is like I had a friend of mine when coronavirus first started and he said to me, you know, I think he said something like 70, 80 percent of, of people are unemployed because of, of COVID. And I'm like, OK, let's just think about that for a second. I don't know where you heard this, but I'm working. You're working. Let's think of all the people we know working. You know, yes, people in retail or, you know, working in stores or restaurants, they're definitely not working. But you can't say 70, 80 percent of the workforce is out of work because of COVID because they're not. But then and then he said, oh, maybe it was that like 70 or 80 percent of people are working from home. I said, well, I could see like a lot of people have had to work from home, but it's not that they're unemployed. So but he was all worried, you know, the world's going to fall apart because now nobody's working and the economy's going to fall apart, right? But that's how he probably got sucked in by some conspiracy theory YouTube video on, on Facebook, you know, and who knows? And it's so easy for us to be like, oh, you know, I just don't want to fact check this or it sounds yeah. plausible enough. Like we don't want to, we're lazy. I'm lazy. I don't want to fact yeah, check. Oh, yeah. my God, like even while I'm doing research for this podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm so lazy. Like, okay, I know I've got to stick with like my, my big three, like articles, like the, you know, the certain newspaper generators that I trust, like we were talking about who do real investigative journalism. So I don't have to fact check their articles. So it's that kind of stuff. Like we are lazy. So people stop being lazy, but, um, fake news has been stirring up some shit, especially yeah. globally. We hear about a few examples in the documentary, and one of them was what happened in the Philippines. So when you get a cell phone in the Philippines, Facebook gives you free internet. And this is when you get a SIM card, too, because it actually happened to me when I was in the Philippines that I had unbridled access through Facebook, but only Facebook. That was the only app I had on my phone. I thought they said in the documentary that they preload Facebook for you, but not that it gave you free internet. No, you, I was doing research, but you do get, it was a scheme that if you have Facebook on your phone and you like put in your email address and you'll get this amount of like free Wi-Fi and like certain locations and stuff like that. And like, for me as a traveler, I was like, yes, ma'am, sign me up for this free internet somewhere, you know, like, and, but it was the only app I had access to was Facebook because it was through Facebook. So you're very limited to what you're exposed to because of it. And basically, because of this, there were numerous fake accounts that were popping up all over on Facebook, spreading fake news. And this helped a dictator become elected by a landslide in 2016. President Rodrigo Duterte of the Philippines is one of a number of populists around the world who rose to power in part by harnessing Facebook to get his unfiltered messages across to millions. So during his 2016 campaign, his allies flooded social media and platforms with misinformation about his imp- his opponents and all these 
crazy awesome stories about him to make him look like he was the best candidate. And now he's in power and he is a horrible dictator and he's just causing so many issues. And now Facebook is trying to close all those accounts that basically were open to help him get elected and spread all this fake news about him to make him seem better. In Myanmar, a similar thing happened. Facebook helped fuel the genocide that was going on because of all the fake news that it was able to spread. And people were just, they were using fake images that they had found from other places and like creating these fake posters about this is what's going on in Myanmar using these fake images of like all these um, attacks and uh, riots and stuff like that. But it wasn't true, but people weren't believing it. So uh, two factions were fighting against each other. And they actually said once Facebook access was blocked, the dissent and the issues with the genocide and the two fighting factions calmed down quite a bit. So, but this is things that are still going on, like issues that have been happening for several years. So, yeah, and if anyone knows any more about these two things, we'd love to hear what you know. Uh, And then they talked about the 2016 election with Trump and how, Mm. how that, like, Facebook helped fuel... Trump's election. And it's funny because when I was researching about this, I then heard that this has been happening since 2012. So the 2012 election was potentially swayed by Facebook as well. And because they were allowing so much more democratic content to be um, to be processed or like put on than other content, they were filtering content so much that they also think that the 2012 election was potentially swayed because of Facebook. Oh, I think this just... is really scary, the fake news and how much it can really impact society and cause dissent and riots and persecution. It's it's so it's terrifying. scary. This is the scariest part of it. And then, so this wasn't really talked about in the documentary, but... I'm going to mention it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because this is true. It's like they talk about these specific events that were fueled by fake news. But guys, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's not just those events. Like we have the anti-vaxxer movement that is just spreading like wildfire on Facebook. People are free to share all the rhetoric and false claims about medicine and, you know, they're all the things you can do with essential oils and blah, 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 blah. And like people are dying. Cannabis. Yep. Cannabis, that kind of stuff. But um, so all the anti-vaxxer stuff and like there's so many Facebook groups dedicated to spreading fake news about anti-vaxxing. And then also um, a fun fact during the lockdown. So back in, basically March to May time, Facebook was really limiting the COVID-19 news sharing that was allowed to be done and to the point where they weren't allowing any any actual news sources to be shared at all about COVID-19 to help prevent us from, you know, actually knowing what's really going out there. So even credible educational articles were being blocked. You couldn't post about COVID-19 And you can share about COVID-19. And they were trying to say that that was to help prevent 
the fake news movement. But if anything, I actually saw so many people posting about 5G towers and and all their conspiracy theory bullshit, but no one could post factual, informed articles about COVID-19 to help counter that conspiracy theory movement. So think about that. (laughs) Just some serious food for thought. It's terrifying. I know. I don't even like to think about this part. I um I don't know. It's really funny because like I listen to my favorite podcast guys. You know, I talk about him all the time. My behind the bastards, Robert <laughs> Evans. But so he talks about this all the time in his podcast. Like most of the dictators he covers in modern day had fake news campaigns, had Facebook assisted campaigns, had some type of involvement. He talks about it all the time. So for me, it's like, I'm kind of so used to hearing about it at this point, and I realize how awful it is. And even in an educational standpoint, like we were just talking about this in a in a professional development meeting where we were talking about how they're going to add fluoride to the water in New Zealand, and people, this church group, decided to create all these fake news campaigns. Like they stole images from like Africa showing or India showing what happens when you have too much fluoride in the water and like how it kills people. And it's like, it was all fake. Like if you unpacked all the images and the stuff that they were showing, like that wasn't even a New Zealander or Kiwi. It was like completely out of context. And it turns out that they were sharing images from like a village in India where the fluoride is naturally occurring and the water has too much fluoride because it's a, it's an actual fluoride vein from the earth, not from the government putting fluoride in the water (laughs) and it's like people don't realize that though that it's just that simple to share fake news you were and people will just share whatever they see without thinking about it twice and really unpacking it and that that's why critical thinking is so important Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. before you use your essential oils guys oh my god So the other thing they talked about in here, which I also thought was a bit scary, too, was the artificial intelligence. This was crazy to me when they talked about like these. Yes, people have programmed these computers, but they have programmed them to think for themselves and develop for themselves. So they have a mind of their own. And I couldn't believe it when they said that. So now I'm very concerned the Terminator is going to be coming and the the computers are controlling us more than we are controlling them. It's a matter of time. I love Terminator. If Arnold, you know, where are you? have not heard me talk about this. So now I'm really worried this is Skynet because Skynet turns out to be a computer program, right? Like oh. it's a program. It's not an actual computer. That's why they can't destroy it. So this is what this is. It's it's a computer learning for itself and doing what it wants. Like I don't I I don't know. I found that really scary too. Oh, I thought I was gonna throw up watching that. Like honestly, that part of the documentary, I felt physically ill. I I was like, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. This is just so terrifying. And yeah, <laughs> so terrifying. And even though I didn't like the media family part of it, I did really like kind of the guys behind the scenes working to engage users. I, I thought that. that really illustrated 
the kind of algorithms they're using and how they're trying to get you to engage in social media and okay let's put this on their feed and let's let's share that somebody liked their photo or you know that share some news about their ex-girlfriend right I think it just look gave you an idea of how they are sucking you in oh because that is actually and when I was watching I was like that's actually happened to me on my phone where all of a sudden I'll get a notification that like some person liked my photo but like 12 other people had liked my photo and I didn't get a notification for it. Or they'll be like, oh, so-and-so shared a photo, but I don't get notifications that other people share photos when they share photos. So like, what are you try? What are you playing at Facebook? Yeah. You know, like for me, oh, it was, I loved that part. And I also just really liked the actors that they chose to do that because a lot of those actors are people I've watched in television shows and, and so I, I like I like them to begin with. Anywho, I digress. Yeah. It was terrifying. It made me physically ill and also made me want to like just bash my phone with into a million pieces. <laughs> like, yeah. And run away to the woods. <laughs> In a cabin. So, I mean, the whole point of this documentary is to say that like we need to wake up and do something about it, right? So will this change? And you know, in all honesty, I don't have a lot of faith that it will. We've seen so many doc- documentaries about big business and greed. So unless the public really decides that they're outraged about this, these businesses are not all of a sudden going to develop good ethical standards that are going to affect their profits in the long run. No, and I think people are just too addicted to social media. Like they just love it too much to really give it up. Yeah, I don't ever think that people will want that. I I have to say, listeners, I urge you to uh, just research about the founder of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and, and his premise behind starting Facebook and the disgusting things he did to make Facebook and why he made Facebook and the disgusting things he's put into Facebook to make it what it is now because it's eye-opening. There are quite a few podcasts that do a deep dive into the founding of Facebook. And if and you need to educate yourself, like why Facebook was made, what it was supposed to do, so what it's doing currently, because these things are still in practice. And mm-hmm. I think it might really make you reconsider your use of Facebook or, or your social media usage because of that. If this documentary alone won't, at least take a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious if listeners think this will change at all. Yeah, me too. Or just what they think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, really share, share your opinions. We want to hear them. Yeah. So overall, I liked this documentary a lot. It terrified me, but also intrigued me. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really real and an eye-opener, like even to me as someone who thinks of themselves as an informed consumer and someone who has critical thinking skills, I think about, God, I get sucked into all the celebrity clickbait and ad clickbait, you know, so it just really makes me think about that kind of stuff and and my internet presence and just also how I'm, like how I how much time I spend online and mm. on apps and it really makes me want to change that because yeah am I really being as productive and and being the best me that I could be spending eight hours a day on Instagram 
you know. Mm-hmm. It's so. true. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a great documentary, and it really did show how social media is a business and we are the product. And it shows how easily mass populations are manipulated by these apps, and we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And the impact is really significant, by, and it's affecting individuals' mental health. It's affecting, like, a group mentality, society. It's It really makes me concerned for the future. And it does make me think twice about my use of social media mm-hmm. and how much I'm oh, checking in at this restaurant or checking in here, you know, and any of the clickbait that I'm tempted to go on. I'm trying to be a little more mindful of that. Yeah. And I definitely found like it impacting my mental health a lot. And just like even the way I perceive myself, like really buying into that diet culture mentality and like the getting sucked into those like before and after and like if I work out and blah, 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 blah. So I after watching this, yeah, I did a lot of reflecting and and realizing like the things I'm seeing on social media are not positively impacting me and and maybe I need to remove myself from that. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying really hard to limit what I'm and be more mindful about my cell phone use and like I don't need to be on Facebook or or like I'm using my phone for more positive things than just, you know, looking at what everyone's wearing on Instagram and and feeling bad about the fact that I ate a cheeseburger or something, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) because all these skinny bitches on social media are like, I only had a grape today and look at me. (laughs) No, they would more be like, oh my gosh, I ate six grapes and I'm so full now. I know, like, try this detox tea and this skinny tea and, and also, you know, the speed my doctor gave me. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's the secret. I I have to say like my reading um reading Jessica Simpson's book while doing this documentary was it tied in really well because she talked a lot about being bullied online. She talked a lot about yeah. especially cuz of her weight fluctuations and you know her mm-hmm. the fact that she decided to wait until marriage and how she was just destroyed online yeah. and, and and she was judged like a lot, you know. Yeah, she and was. She was. She was one of the first sort of reality TV. She was. People. Yes, yeah. they were because they came out right after Ozzy Osbourne and his family did their show. But yeah, so it's just the power of social media was so prevalent, and also the power of those diet cultures and and how important like it is to look a certain way in our society and how you have to sacrifice everything to look that way. You know, like in reality, those celebrities are pumped full of speed. They have nutritionists, dietitians, they have, you know, um, all their their whole fitness crew. So be aware of that. And same with um, those Instagram, those Instagram influencer girls that are that are just, you know, so skinny and, and showing off their lifestyle. It's like, do you really think they're not doing those things. Like, do you think that they're able to maintain that lifestyle and that body with positive means all the time? You know, it's, you have to be really critical. (laughs) Just remember that guys, don't be so hard on yourself. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, if you still want to be on social media, you can contact us 
on docu underscore talk on Instagram and docu underscore talk on Twitter. And our email is docu.talk2 at gmail.com. Um, I also would like to say hi to our new listeners in India. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I looked at the numbers and we had a lot of new listeners from India. So really excited to have you here. And I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, also, if you like the podcast, please leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Next episode, we'll be covering Team Foxcatcher. It's a true crime documentary. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Um, so please take a watch of Team Foxcatcher. We will discuss that next episode. All right. Thank you very much, Chelsea. Thank you, Michelle. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.